Hey guys, welcome to the Health Addict Show. Before we get started though, I wanna cover a couple things. This show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I am not your doctor. So if you have questions or concerns about your own health, please ask a physician, okay? Get the right information for you. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Health Addict Show. I'm your host, Tommy J, and I kind of have a cool episode for you today. We're not really going to talk about health in general as we could always do. I might give you one real quick quibit just because I think it's important to talk about, but I think we'll do an occupational episode. I don't think we really talk enough about the jobs that are in healthcare and the opportunities for people if they want to get into healthcare. It's out there, it's available. And right now, healthcare is at an incredible shortage. So I feel like we'll talk about couple different jobs here that we'll talk about one that's an entry level job that somebody can get to just to test the waters if they like healthcare and one that is a career specialty position that will require some training and some college but you know what it's very rewarding career so we'll start first with a study that came from the JAMA and JAMA stands for the Journal of American Medical Association. They post a lot of good studies, and most of them are free to read. So I suggest you actually go there, especially if you're getting into the medical field. It's a great resource to learn about new, improving, upcoming topics in the medical field. So if you have free time, just pick a couple articles and just start reading them. You can even read the abstract just to get an idea and see if it's worth your time. It's honestly a real simple way to learn a lot about medicine. Now, this article... It was done about sleep extension itself. And it's talking about the idea that people who oversleep, they expend less energy on their day, which may increase their chances of becoming overweight. So it's kind of an interesting idea, but I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense when you think about it. If you're not using a lot more calories than you normally would be, you're retaining calories, which more calories means more weight because calories equals energy. And if energy isn't expenditured, it's stored. And in the study, it wasn't a whole lot of extra sleep that these patients were getting. They're getting about 1.2 extra hours of sleep, but that's an extra hour of day that they were not awake expending calories. Now, remember, when we talk about calorie, a calorie is something that increases the temperature of water by one degree centigrade. But when we have a food calorie, it's actually a kilocalorie. There's a thousand calories in a kilocalorie. Now, when you talk about this sleep study, there was an increase of 270 kilocalories for the group that took the 1.2 extra hours of sleep, meaning that they had an extra 270 calories reserved that they didn't use compared to the other group. And again, that might not seem like a whole lot. I mean, you're talking the difference between a donut every day. But the point is, eventually those calories can equate to mass gain over time, increasing your overall weight, which eventually leads to obesity. So it's important to understand that calorie intake and calorie loss are the main reasons for weight gain and weight loss. If you're at a calorie deficit, you'll lose weight. If you're at a calorie intake, you'll gain weight. So, so the point of the study is though, the people that took the extra time to sleep longer than they should had more reserved calories, meaning they were at a higher risk for gaining weight. So it's better to promote healthy sleep cycles, not oversleeping, not undersleeping, but making sure you're getting the adequate amount of sleep. And that includes not oversleeping. All right. The first profession I'm going to talk about, because it's probably the one that a lot of people want to hear about anyway, and that we'll talk about nursing here. Okay. 
Because one of the biggest shortages in healthcare and of all professions is nursing. The constant need for nursing is always increasing because you need that medical expertise who is constantly at the bedside to monitor the patient. And nursing is a real versatile field. You can monitor patients in the prison, you can monitor them at home, you can monitor them in the hospital setting, general care, ICU, ORs, you can have a long-term care facilities that require nursing staff. So you can really pick a variety of settings to be. You can deliver and be work in pediatrics, you can work in just adults. It just all depends on your flavor even. So nursing is one of those fields that even though you became a nurse, you're not necessarily selecting a specialty. You can go and specialize in anything you want, cardiology neurology, pulmonary. There's so many great things you can do when you become a nurse. Not to mention, you can go on from being a nurse and you can go on to be a nurse practitioner, which works under a physician and actually provides and treats patients. Or you can go on to be a nurse anesthetist, which I'm not going to lie, everyone really goes into nurse anesthetism because it's a lot of money. I mean, it's over $200,000 starting out, but it's a really hard two to three years because sometimes they're even requiring a doctor degree now with that. But the point is, you can take your nursing degree and go anywhere you want with it. It's one of the greatest, honestly, degrees you possibly can get in healthcare. So generally, to get into nursing, you need some original college credits just to get into the program. They require some good science classes, some English, some math. Um, you'll take some prerequisites to get into the program. They're starting to want some other things to get into the program. Um, this is both for your ADN, which is your associate's degree in nursing, or your BSN, which is your bachelor's degree in science and nursing. So more likely, you'll need to take some science classes, some other classes to get in the program. And they are requiring some pretty good grades because let's face it, folks, it's a highly competitive field. And oh, you're thinking now when I just said that, you're like, wait, I thought you said there was a shortage in nursing. There is a shortage in nursing, but schools can only pump out so many nurses at a time. It's not like they can just put 200 people in a nursing class and say, go nuts. It just doesn't work that way. You have to really work with nurses and get them the proper education so when they go out in the field, they know what they're doing. Because let's face it, you don't want someone at your bedside that doesn't understand you or your case or your condition or you, in fact. They don't even work with you. You want somebody that you're confident can help treat you and provide care. So that's why it's super important for nursing when they have these small class sizes so they can really work and get nurses to the proper, proper level. So again, there's an associate degree version and there's a bachelor degree version. The associate degree version is actually more than two years because usually it's about half a half year to a year just to get into the program. Then it's a full two years nonstop all the way through summer program. So it's actually like an extended associate's degree. So not don't think of it just like a regular associate degree. You got two years, four semesters, and you have a degree. For nursing, it's a year to get into the program, and then it's two years, and then you graduate with an associate degree in nursing. Now, for the bachelor degree, there really isn't a whole lot difference between a bachelor science in nursing and an ADN. The point of the bachelor's in science in nursing, though, is they, treat, they teach you a lot of other things that wouldn't be taught in an ADN. An ADN is a focused nursing degree. They really want to get you ready to be at the bedside with an ADN. Now, the bachelor's in science degree, it really isn't much different, but with an ADN, they're really trying to pump you out to be a nurse. A bachelor's in science and nursing, they want you to be a leader. They want you to lead the pack. They want you to think intuitively and scientifically and really think about your patient. They want you to be more than just a nurse. That's why you get a bachelor's science and nursing, because honestly, you're going to grow from that. And that's the focus now in healthcare, actually. Most of the facilities are looking for nurses to have their bachelor's degree. So, Honestly, it might be worth it just to go for your BSN, but it doesn't mean you can't if you get your ADN. 
And honestly, it's not that much longer. For most people, it's just 30 credit hours from your ADN to have your BSN. So it's money. It's what hospitals and other healthcare facilities are wanting now. And I know it's kind of sucks, but and you can do the job with the ADN as well as someone who has a BSN. But most people like to have the BSN now. So I'm just going to recommend it to you now. You probably should get a bachelor degree. I'm definitely not knocking on the ADN degree though, because myself, I got an associate degree. I got an associate degree in respiratory. That's what got me to where I am at now. So it doesn't mean you have to stop an ADN. I'm just saying this is what the healthcare field wants. The same thing with physical therapy. There used to be a bachelor degree. Now it's a doctor's in physical therapy. Same thing with sociology and people that are social work. It used to be a bachelor degree. Now it's getting almost to a PhD. So it's just the whole system is evolving and it is what it is. It's more of us pushing to make specialties, but that's also how our pay keeps increasing. By higher level specialty, that's how our pay keeps rising in healthcare too. So just something to think about if you want to get in nursing. But like I said, it's a rewarding field. You'll love it if you get into it. Unless you're really not fond of blood and guts and poop, I wouldn't go into it. But it is a very rewarding field, and honestly, it doesn't mean you have to be at the bedside. There's a lot of people that aren't at the bedside, too. There's a lot of people that go into administration and in government and nursing. There's a lot of nurses that work in the health department, too, that help regulate the health of the public in a lot of counties. So it doesn't mean you have to go to patient care, but it's an option for you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. They're like, well, man, how do I know if I like healthcare? I don't know if I really like it yet, but I really like to see it. What's a good way to get into healthcare and see if I maybe want to be in that kind of environment? Well, I have two good positions that would be really good for you as entry-level positions that get you right involved, and you can really see the workflow and see how people are doing in these roles. And the first one is a clerk. A clerk is a really good position to really get your foot in the hospital. And what I mean by clerk, I mean an administrative assistant. So you're working in the office, in the units, and you're handling the phone calls. You're almost like a receptionist in a way. But the point is you have a lot of interactions with doctors, nurses, other team members, and families. So you really get to really see the communication channels of a hospital and healthcare system. Not to mention the hours are pretty good. You get to pick your hours for the most part. You can be afternoons, you can be mornings, you can be nights. And if you're going to school, they're pretty flexible with you because a lot of hospitals and healthcare systems know that clerks are trying to get in the medical, medical care field. So it's a very flexible position and you get a lot of exposure into healthcare. And it's got a pretty good starting rate. I mean, it used to be only a couple, like eight or nine bucks. Now it's up to 15, 16, $20 an hour starting out. So if you really wanna see and get paid well and get some healthcare experience, it's a very fantastic entry level position that'll get you into some exposure. Now, another position though, that I think is really good if you're really focusing on patient care is a patient sitter. Some hospitals call them patient assistants, some call them just watchers, or some call them bed assistants. But the point is, a patient sitter is someone who sits at the bedside with a patient who may need some secondary care help watching just to make sure that they're okay and safe. Now, why would a patient might need a sitter? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, they might have dementia. They might not understand who they are, where they're at. Sometimes hospitals can be a very crazy environment and patients just don't react well, especially if they already have deteriorating mental statuses. It's a very good idea to have a patient sitter that can sit there and remind them, hey, you're okay, you're in a safe place, you know where you're at, this is where you're, we're doing here, so let's just take it easy and sit back. And that really helps the patient refocus and recenter and understand that we're not trying to do something crazy to this patient. 
A second reason a patient might have a patient sitter is maybe they just have some mental issues going on where they just don't feel safe in their own body. Sometimes a patient does things to themselves and you know, it's not always the best situation. So having a patient sitter to make sure that they don't hurt themselves or cause more harm, it, they're really not out to hurt anybody. They just, it's one of those situations where they just don't feel comfortable with themselves. And sometimes they need to get some help and figure out maybe sometimes they're off their meds. Maybe sometimes they need to get back on their meds. And having that patient sitter at bedside just helps make sure that they're comfortable, they know nothing's gonna happen, and they know that we're not gonna let anything happen to them while they're here. And finally, I it's the it's not it's the one that's not so much fun. You have a patient that really isn't cooperating. And you know, patients have a lot of things going on. They have lines, they have IVs, we have stickers on them that measure their heart rate, their respirations, we have probes that measure their oxygen levels. There's a lot of systems we have in place to make sure that a patient's safe and we can keep track of them and give their medications. Some patients don't want to cooperate. They start ripping stuff off, they start throwing their IVs, they start throwing the pads off. It's not a good situation, especially if the patients need the medication or we need to monitor their heart because something's been going on and we need to figure out what's been going on with them. So a patient sitter kind of helps make sure that the patient doesn't do that. You know, most of the time, the patient sitter doesn't have to do anything. Just their presence being there makes a patient more cooperative because let's face it, you're not really going to act out if someone's in the room. It's when someone's not in the room that they're going to get curious and start pulling at things. So I'd say there is some risk with being a patient sitter. You are going to have to get involved with the patient if something does happen. But again, even if you're in the medical field, that happens anyway. So it's not like you're not going to see that when you become out of the patient center. So it's kind of a good way to get introduced into that kind of environment. And they start a pretty good pay down. Those used to only be paid like 10 or 12 bucks an hour. Now they're always up to $20 an hour just to sit at the bedside. And I know a lot of patient sitters that do homework when they're sitting at bedside because they have the time. So it might be another great option if you're thinking about getting the medical care field and you want to get exposed to it. So consider that, okay? It's a really good idea. But all right, folks, that's all I got for you today. If you got any questions about anything that happened on this episode, please send me a message. I will respond. You can email me. You can text me. You can message me on any of the social media platforms, and I'll get back with you, okay? So stay addicted to your health, and I will see you next time.